from the Mercy One Studio. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imogene Ingredients. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. It's time to hear from the top Christian litigators in the nation who have come forward to tell us the truth and help us defend our faith. Hear ye, hear ye. All rise. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Menno is in session. And good Thursday morning from the Mercy One Studios in West Des Moines. I'm Deacon Mike Mano sitting here with Gina No. How are you this morning, Gina? Good morning. After Deacon all Mike. of your travels all over I and uh, and still not sick. Knock on wood. Praise yeah, God. Yeah, the very good. Thing. I'm glad very to good. be back in Des Moines and finishing up my quarantine and, right, and, and getting and, back to normal. And, and back in your command seat here. At the, I'm uh, program. so glad to be back at the show. We yes, want to thank Gene, uh, Gene Wells for joining us uh, last week in your absence. Yes, I, you two did a wonderful job. Yeah, yes, I yeah, enjoyed the program. Yeah. Yeah, and she has a good program herself. And yeah. isn't that nice that you can listen to Faith on Trial wherever you are in the world? Um, right. On the app or iowacatholicradio.com or the rebroadcast on the uh, podcast. Yeah, I've noticed that the numbers on the, on the, um, the not the rebroadcast, but the numbers on the uh, website where people are listening to it on, on the website. Yes, can, yes. People are using it. Those numbers have gone up recently. Very now, nice. I don't know what that means. Well, we've had uh, some really interesting guests. I know I enjoy re-listening to the program because they're so intelligent and so in touch with what's going on. And um, they all have great ideas about how to protect our tenets of the faith and our That's practice right. of the faith. That's right. Yeah, and a lot of this mixes in with what is going on politically, too, because there's a lot of, uh, and we hate to be involved, you know, the faith in politics and in partisan politics, but uh, what's going on in the secular world and in the legal world is affecting what we do here. And in our government. And in Absolutely. Our government. Yeah, that's right. So elections matter, and we're in elections the season. Matter. The Democrat uh, National Convention is going on this week. The Republicans will be next week. And I hope the Republicans put on a little bit better show than the Democrats have. <laughs> you Democrats haven't enjoyed it, Deacon? Uh, it's, it's kind of blah. Well, it you is know, hard I to did. watch. I would agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our power went out on Monday, so I'm still playing catch-up on some of the videos. We didn't have any... Um, uh, media com coverage, so I couldn't watch it or on the internet or on the uh, Nothing television. went out in my neighborhood, at least for me. Nothing went out. We had power all the way through the storms, and we had uh, um, uh, internet. Uh, we had, um, we don't have media com. We have direct TV. Uh, only for a little while did it, you know, pixelate, and then it came back. Very good. Yeah, so we, you know, if you're going to be in isolation, you may as well have all the electronic connections right. Necessary. Right. Yeah. So there's a direct correlation between what we understand about uh, secular politics and well, well, let me tell you, our just, faith just, on just, trial. Just a little story here, uh, and it kind of uh, uh, indicates uh, where we are and who we talk with. We got a call uh, the other day from my uh, co- uh, connection at the Heritage Foundation, okay. Corrine Williams, and she wanted a tape from an interview we did with John Malcolm a couple of years ago. Okay. The White House wanted it. So right away, now I'm not going to say anything, but right away, <laughs> bells went off in my head. He's up for an appointment at some point. 
Oh, uh, Jimmy, um, our guy behind the scenes here, Jimmy Olson, found the tape, got it to me. I got it back to her. Week later, I get a note from her telling me he was appointed to the United States Sentencing Commission. So he was well, up. Look at that. He was Take up for a uh, uh, presidential appointment, and he's not the first. We've oh, had others. I'm that very glad to hear that our programming didn't affect his appointment negatively. Oh, I'm sure it, it gave him all sorts of pluses. I mean, he <laughs> they probably said, "Look." Mike and Gina talked to this guy, and they he passed muster with them, so he should pass muster with you, Mr. President. So, Very good. Yeah, well, anyway, so that's, uh, um, that's what's going on Well, here. that's the correlation mm-hmm. between this program and um, maybe so much of our um, uh, rights would not be uh, have to be litigated in court that's if right. we had a, um, better philosophies in our leadership that's throughout right. the United States, would be, from dog would catcher be. on the way up to the United States president. That's right. Seat. That's right. All right. So uh, anyway, so that's what we do here. And I know we have, speaking of appointments, I know we have at least one undersecretary of education that was on our program, and there's a couple others up there that uh, nobody on the Supreme Court yet, but maybe one of these people that we talked to will get Went to the Supreme well, Court well, we've had it. many clerks, Supreme Court clerks, certainly, who have certainly. helped us we through have, the we have, different issues on the program. We have, and a presidential attorney. And presidential candidates, mm-hmm. even. And presidential <laughs> candidates, even. All right, so we're doing our thing here to keep everybody informed. Well, we hope that we help. We hope that we do. All right, do you have a prayer? Oh, we want to make a, a quick um, uh, mention of our change in lineup today. Hans von Spankowski with the Heritage Foundation uh, was unable to make it today, but again, uh, our connection there, Corrine Williams did a great job. Uh, she got us David Ditch, who's uh, also with the Heritage Foundation, going to talk about something similar. Hans was going to talk about the um, uh, mail-in voting. Uh, David is going to talk about debunking the myths of the Postal Service. You know, we've got a lot of... Uh, I, I'm really anxious yeah. to talk to him because um, that's an entity that we need to know more about. Right, and, and it's it's becoming a political football right. now. And People claiming there's a there's a conspiracy now to shut down the postal service so the votes can't get in and whatever. We'll talk to David about that when we come back. You have a prayer to open us up. Right? I do a prayer for peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God of peace, bring your peace to our violent world. Peace in the hearts of all men and women, and peace among the nations of the earth. Turn to your way of love those whose hearts and minds are consumed with hatred. Strengthen us in hope and give us the wisdom and courage to work tirelessly for a world where true peace and love reign among the nations and in the hearts of all. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. And this is Iowa uh, Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. I'm starting to get tongue-tied here. No, no. <laughs> the too early in the day for that. Uh, anyway, we will be back in about three minutes after these messages with David Ditch. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the morning is provided by Blessman International. The coronavirus has impacted lives in Iowa and around the world. This is especially true in rural South Africa, where COVID-19 restrictions have led to vulnerable children being hospitalized due to starvation. To combat this hunger, Blessman International now offers a program called One Child at a Time. You can sponsor a child in South Africa for $1 a day. Learn more at BlessmanInternational.org. BlessmanInternational.org. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know... 
Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full-service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at BigRedQ-DeMoines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports on Iowa Catholic Radio is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Greg Harper. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. Ashworth Vision Clinic. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. This is Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. We are back, and we have with us now David Ditch, who is from the Heritage Foundation. And David, um, you did an interesting, um, or wrote an interesting article the other day about the Postal Service. Thank you for having me, Mike. Certainly. Uh, The other voice is Gina, our co-host. Yeah. (laughs) Just threw my little good morning in there, David. (laughs) Welcome. Hi, Gina. All right, we uh, we were having Hans on. Uh, of course, he couldn't make it today, but we, he was going to be talking about this mail-in voting stuff. Your article is uh, pretty much um, uh, on target with some of this uh, argument that's going on around the postal service. That somehow uh, there's a conspiracy to uh, uh, kind of overthrow the postal service or or nullify the Postal Service so that it'll affect the election results. And you did an interesting article for the Daily Signal the other day that talked about the uh, the 10 uh, myths about the U.S. Postal Service that were, were uh, uh, being circulated. So you want to take us through some of these and let us know uh, what the truth is about the Postal Service? I think we've lost him. Did we lose him? Oh, now I just lost him. Oh, we lost him. Okay. We will get him back. <laughs> and, 
And in and the meantime, let's th- this is, this is what happens with uh, live radio. That's okay. Uh, yeah. That's okay. We got him back. Okay, we got him back. Yeah, sorry about. That. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. Um, I wanted to go over with you some of these myths that you talked about because there, there's a lot of rumors and a lot of arguments going on around the country about what is being done to the Postal Service and how they're being uh, stymied uh, in, in getting in the mail-in votes and ballots and all that. So if you can, can you take us through what your article was saying so that people may be getting a, 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 another story than the one that they're hearing on the mainstream media these days? Absolutely, and it, frankly, it has been amazing for me to watch what's been going on over the last few weeks. The Postal Service, in terms of being a a hot topic of debate, that goes back to the spring. There were concerns that because of the COVID pandemic, that there would be a big reduction in mail volume, that there might be an increase in costs, and that the Postal Service might go bankrupt. As it turns out, the Postal Service is managing lots of packages so their revenue is fairly stable, and they aren't losing more money than usual. Okay. L- lately, the controversy has really picked up because a I, 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 it's hard for me to tell how much of this is coordinated and how much this is random, but people are seizing on very, what should be non-controversial things to make sure the Postal Service is efficient and doesn't lose more money than it already is. And they're claiming that it means the Trump administration and Postmaster General Louis DeJoy are trying to wreck the Postal Service to prevent the distribution and receiving of mail-in ballots. Nothing... Nothing could be further from the truth. Let's take these myths one at a time, and uh, and you can answer them here. The first one was that the Postal Service is removing sorting machines to sabotage delivery. Sorting machines are necessary to process the mail. But because mail volume has been declining every year since 2001, we don't need as many sorting machines as we used to. And the excess sorting machines are taking up space, they take cost to maintain, they take cost to operate. By consolidating the number of these machines, the Postal Service makes sure that they can still process all the mail that comes through, but it doesn't mean that this is something that was, that's never been done before and is only being done because of the election. This is a long-standing practice. It happened under Republican and Democratic administrations alike. All right, the second myth, the Postal Service is removing collection boxes to block mail in, in, uh, mail-in ballots. And you see on the news pictures of trucks carrying away these uh, uh, blue collection boxes like uh, it's some type of conspiracy. How do we answer yes. that? There are 141,000 blue boxes spread across the country. And the Postal Service tries to make sure that those boxes are put in the best where people need them. And that means that every now and then, boxes are picked up and moved around within a given area. And if you happen to see, oh, there's a blue box there and it's gone now, where can I find a blue box? The Postal Service has a website that shows you exactly where the nearest blue box is. There's no one in the country outside the most remote areas 
doesn't have a convenient blue box within a few miles of them. Interesting. Yeah. I thought they removed all those blue boxes after 9-11. I can't speak to that. Well. <laughs> um, and then there's, there's, there's another viral photo that's gone around of a what looks like dozens of boxes in, in a single place, and it turned out that those boxes were at a company that specializes in refurbishing old boxes so that they can then be reused and put back in service. How mm-hmm. sustainable. Very yeah. nice. one of, Every single one of these claims is just completely false. All right, there's another one here. The Postal Service is locking collection boxes to prevent public access. There are photos of mailboxes with these red covers on them, and these covers are anti-theft devices. Because sometimes people like to go into a mailbox, especially late at night, and fish out letters, fish out maybe checks or packages, and these covers prevent that from happening. Sometimes these covers are locked overnight, but then they're unlocked in the morning. There's no way that these covers, which are only put in areas where mail theft starts to happen, will prevent people from accessing the boxes. Again, if you wanted to just keep the boxes locked indefinitely, they would just take the boxes away, but that's not what is happening. They're trying to secure the box. If anything, this makes sure the election's more secure and people's votes are going to be counted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The next one was um, the Postal, I think he answered this already, Postal Service could go bankrupt before the election without a $25 billion bailout? Yeah, that that's incorrect. The Postal Service has enough money to op- to continue normal operations probably through the end of next year. But that's not great. There are real problems, and... Well, I'm... Did we lose him again? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just, there we go. He's back. Can you hear me? Yeah, yes. we're we're back with you now. You said okay, that sorry. we lost you just about the time you were telling us that there's enough money through the end of next year, but then after that, there's problems. Yeah, and I've, I've written at the Heritage Foundation about ways that Congress can help to the con- help the Postal Service to balance its own books. But in the meantime, there's definitely no prospect for the Postal Service going bankrupt by the end of the year. The numbers just don't add up. And then the uh, myth that uh, they're going to triple their rates... Uh, yes. Is. Have we heard? That, that's very pernicious. Right. So the, the Postal Service told state and local governments that if there are concerns about last-minute mail-in ballot requests, that they might need to send the ballots through first-class mail to make sure people get their ballots on time. And people took this and wildly misinterpreted it to say that the Postal Service is demanding that every mail-in ballot go through first-class mail, which would increase costs. But that's absolutely not the case. Uh, The Wall Street Journal had a great write-up about this earlier in the week. Okay. That sounds fair. The next one is that they're going to... um, um, Postal Service delivery charges are... Or sabotage, are sabotaged by the the postmaster general. I guess. Yes, it, Go ahead. This is ab- 
Yes, this is absolute nonsense. And as I mentioned earlier, the the Postmaster General is continuing a very standard practice of making sure that postal infrastructure, dealing with employees and locations and machines, makes sense in the context of mail volume. And because this happens to mean cost-cutting, all of these Democrats, including Minority Leader Schumer, are interpreting it as they're trying to wreck the Postal Service. Right. Of course, uh, Trump is doing that because we all know he's the Antichrist, right? Apparently. (laughs) All right, the next one is the Postmaster General Massacred Postal Service Management. Yes, and and again, so the Postmaster General uh, took his position in June. He was selected by the... Uh, by a commission, not directly by the president, by the way. And when he started, there was a little shuffling of some of the people. A few people left. Other people were promoted to take their place. And this is what happens in pretty much any major organization when someone new takes over. Certain people decide to leave. Other people come on board. There's promoting. And the people that were promoted to take those high-level positions Every single one of them are people promoted from within, people with lots of experience in the Postal Service. It's not as though this is some sort of a cronyist operation where they're handing out jobs to people only because they're Trump supporters. They're handing out jobs to people who are good and know how the Postal Service works. Now, I understand the new Postmaster General is a supply chain management expert. Absolutely. He's as a CEO of a company called New Breed Logistics. And at the end of the day, the Postal Service is a logistics agency. They want to make sure that the mail gets delivered in a timely fashion and that it's delivered as affordably as possible. I can't think of a better resume for someone to have to be Postmaster General than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know my only problem with the uh, Postal Service right now is it brings me too many bills. Uh, if, <laughs> Is there a way I can get cash instead of bills? Um, so, sometimes I wonder if uh, I figure out a way to do that with taxi. <laughs> that would be nice. In general, I'm afraid nothing the postal service. Yeah, I think so. I remember uh, there was uh, what was the name of the of the uh, old movie where they sent the mail to Santa Claus in the jail. It was a miracle on 34th Street, Street, that's right. And they recited all the statistics about how efficient the post office was at the time, and the judge ruled that if the post office was delivering mail to Santa Claus, to this guy they had in prison, that he must be Santa Claus. As long as the Postal Service could find right, it, as long as he they had can to find be real. That's right, that's right. Yeah, I think they do a, a, a tremendous job out there, and I think this is probably just another one of those conspiracy uh, theories that are running around that make good uh, political fodder, but really uh, don't have much to do with real life. So the Postal Service is not necessarily a government agency, is that correct? It is and it isn't. It's an independent uh, federal agency. It's designed to be self-sufficient, and over its history, it has been. That's part of why the price of stamps goes up, is because they have to make sure they can keep the doors open, put gas in the delivery trucks, and pay all the employees. And what I'm just trying to do is to 
change it from something that's independent and self-sustaining and turn it into a standard government agency that sucks up billions of taxpayer dollars every year. And in this case, it's really unnecessary. The Postal Service can balance its books if Congress allows it to. I see. So it's not required by the Constitution to have a, a United States Postal Service. It's not. The Constitution also says that Congress is able to establish and maintain a postal service. It doesn't say that the postal service must be a government agency, and it certainly doesn't mandate a minimum amount of post offices and postal boxes and machines and employees. But if you if you listen to some of the rhetoric that's coming from people like Tyson, you'd get the impression that anything changes the way the Postal Service does business right now is in front of the Constitution, which is amazing considering the things that are blatantly in the, in the Constitution that a lot of leftists you know, perfectly willing to ignore. So the Postal Good Service point. is perfectly capable of handling all the mail-in ballots, the absentee ballot requests and all that. As long yes. as they're as long as they're sent in a timely fashion, you don't want to send something out the day before and say, "Hey, I need a ballot." Right. You want to you want to take a little bit of forethought in that, David. Throw thank money. you. Go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, did we lose him again? No, I'm. Oh, you said that. Okay. Uh, what I was going to say is, uh, David, if you have uh, a web address or something where we can uh, uh, get the uh, the Daily Signal from, or they can contact you or the Heritage Foundation if uh, people need any more information. I appreciate that. So um, you can go uh, to read my article about postal myths at DailySignal dot com. Okay. I have lots of written analysis up on the website of Heritage dot org. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at David A. Ditch. Thank you very much. And we were going to have you back and follow up on some of this stuff, uh, maybe uh, even yet before the election. Thank you for joining us, David. We certainly appreciate you being here with us. And uh, think you enlightened our listeners on some of the uh, myths that are going on around about the Postal Service. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. We will be back after these messages. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning is provided by Blessman International. According to a 2019 Global Food Security Report, more than 820 million people in the world are hungry today. None of us can help all of them. Most of us can help one, one child. Your gift of $1 a day through Blessman International provides a child in South Africa with a daily hot meal, place of safety, educational experience, and spiritual development. To get started, go to BlessmanInternational.org and click Sponsor a Child. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. 
Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports on Iowa Catholic Radio is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Greg Harper. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. Ashworth Vision Clinic. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des DesMoines-DentalAssociates.com. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. Not much rain coming up over the next few days. We'll have high pressure parked over the northern and central plains, so it looks good through the weekend, but it will be warming up. 85 and sunny for the afternoon. We'll be in the upper 50s and clear overnight. 89 tomorrow and sunny. We'll be in the 90s for the weekend. The weather is brought to you by Divine Treasures, a Catholic book and gift store serving the Des Moines community for over 25 years. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. And you're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, and we are back with Adam Gallette, who is president of Accuracy and Media. Adam, how are you this morning? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. Certainly. We're happy to have you with us, and it's topical time with the uh, conventions and and the uh, political campaign getting ready to start. Um, I'm concerned about a number of things uh, having to do with... uh, 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 fodder that's being thrown out in the election right now, and we just uh, we just talked to um, uh, David Ditch from the Heritage Foundation on debunking the myths that are going on about the post office. And I know there's a lot of other myths that are going on uh, that you are keeping track of. But one of the things that uh, has uh, come across my desk are the number of people lately that have been leaving the media and uh, and telling all about it. I think there's a lady from the New York Times that has recently left. Uh, there's uh, people from uh, MSNBC that have uh, already left. Um, what do we make of all of this? And, and maybe if you can bring our listeners kind of up to date on what I'm talking about here, since sure, I'm not well, doing it very well. <laughs> no, you're doing great. What's abundantly clear now is that in our fractured media landscape, where there's so many people competing for eyeballs and competing for clicks and competing for ratings and subscription sales, the profit motive has forced these news outlets to just find a base ideologically and appease them no matter what, meaning the New York Times knows that anti-Trump stories will sell, and stories that are pro-Trump won't sell to their left-wing audience. So if there's no anti-Trump news that day, they'll make something up. They'll exaggerate whatever. They'll write whatever they have to, because they know the anti-Trump stories are the only way that they can pay the bills and keep the lights on. And you're seeing people leave journalism because they're sickened of this. Some people, regardless of their ideology, got into journalism to report the truth and to educate the American people. And they're obviously put off by the fact that to 
have a, su- a successful news outlet, it seems, these days. You've got to lie, cheat, smear, and just tell stories that your base wants to read, even if they're inconsistent with reality. Now, I have a, a degree of journalism. That was my undergraduate degree. And um, I, like you, have been kind of appalled at watching the ethics of journalists these days. Uh, these exits by some of these well-known journalists, uh, is that catching anybody's attention in the top levels of these news establishments that maybe we're going to have to look for a different direction or go back closer to the center and, you know, um, we report, you decide type uh, reporting? Unfortunately, it's not, because the much bigger thing catching their attention is their bottom line, and particularly print newspapers who've been suffering so much. McClatchy, for example, owns dozens of daily newspapers around the country. They filed for bankruptcy before COVID even hit. So these outlets are struggling, and they realize they have a better chance of making money. MSNBC has a better chance of higher ratings if they write a specific kind of story appeasing and appealing to a specific kind of base. And even if they value journalism, even if that matters to them, these days, to compete economically, it's not in their interest to write honest, decent stories. And it really is a shame. Now, you you write on your website here um, something about journalists living in a bubble. Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, even if they wanted to report open, fair, unbiased news covering all sides equally, that would be so hard for so many of them to do. You know, we all remember famously from Nixon in 72 when the McGovern voters said, I couldn't believe that Nixon won. I didn't know a single person who voted for him. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with these journalists. They live in a leftist echo chamber. They're surrounded by other leftists. They read leftist papers like the Times and the Washington Post. They watch Rachel Maddow and CNN. They can't even comprehend the notion of an evangelical Christian or a, or a conservative or anything like that because they've never met one. Yeah, they, we're certainly out here in Iowa in the fl- what they call the flyover country, where I think they only come here once every four years to cover the caucuses. That's uh, right. Which which were a flop this year because the people in charge couldn't do counting correctly. Well, honestly, it was exemplified in Iowa th- just this week. We two weeks ago we had a terrible storm decimate one of our major metropolitan areas, and the, the crickets on the news about the, the people struggling in that area. Hundreds of thousands of people who were stuck in their homes with no electricity for over a week. Um, couldn't go out because of the telephone or the I'm sorry the electrical wires over their yards. Yeah, the trees falling right. in front of their doors. Yeah. Um, but that kind of a story just was um, irrelevant to the rest of the world. Well, if they could have found a way to blame Trump for the storm, your storm would have gotten far more widespread coverage than you know what, what ended up happening. Well, uh, it, I, thought I thought he did yeah. cause it. I thought he did cause it. Interesting. Yeah. Well, as soon as he did announce he was coming out here, there's been quite a bit more news coverage, morning and yeah. evening. So it's it's ha- it's helped. Yeah. It's helped. Yes. Yeah. I, so I agree with your whole analysis of, and I had never put those two um, items together. That it's not just ideology, but it's it's the financial impact of this of the truth telling in the paper. Yeah, let's talk about you, that a little bit. A lot of uh, print newspapers, and and I'm a print guy myself, uh, but a lot of these print newspapers are either going out of business or converting to all online. What effect does that have on their ability to carry the news correctly? 
Well, the print newspapers, for me, are especially frustrating because we all saw nearly every daily newspaper in the country over the past few decades move far to the left. First, it was just the editorial page that was left-wing. Then, basically, every page became the editorial page. And when we would complain about it, we were always told, well, it's a free market. If people don't want to support that newspaper, they don't have to. Well, what's happened is that so many of these newspapers have gone out of business or gone online only, or like McClatchy, filed for bankruptcy. And now what they're literally doing as we speak is pressuring Congress for a dedicated bailout for large media conglomerates. Smaller independent newspapers like the Seattle Times and the Tampa Times, they already got seven and a half, eight and a half million dollars each through the payroll protection program. But now the big media companies that own dozens of failing newspapers that alienated their audiences by moving so very far to the left, people didn't want to voluntarily purchase those newspapers anymore or read their stories online. So instead, they're trying to use the power of government to force us to pay for their newspaper to stay in business. Yeah, I know the uh, register numbers here, the Des Moines Register, uh, have been declining substantially in the last few years. I wouldn't be surprised if they eventually went uh, uh, online. All all of these newspapers had a huge advantage once the Internet came. They could have been the first people to really explode online. They had name ID. They had the staff in place. There's no reason that online had to destroy these newspapers. There's no reason they couldn't have flourished online. Plenty of uh, brands transitioned online quite well, but they stuck with their ways. Like newspapers did uh, in the advent of radio. That's exactly right. The smart ones got involved with that right away. That's exactly right. But instead, these folks had alienated their audiences so much that as soon as consumers had the opportunity to get their news from someone who didn't hate them ideologically, they took advantage of that opportunity, and these newspapers suffered. And they're not going to learn the economic consequences of it if we allow the government to bail them out. What about local broadcast media? You know, I've always found local broadcast media to be a little bit better and more balanced than print media. Local broadcast media is more interested in traffic and weather together, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've been less obnoxiously ideological, in my opinion, just from my experiences over the years. Uh, The the trickier thing is you would get reporters who didn't as much have a beat and weren't as familiar with the local nature of many of the stories because they move around so much. But uh, I've personally found them to be far less offensively leftist and far less political than the print journalist. Now, I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to a uh, newscast on our one of our local uh, television stations here, and the uh, it was about mail-in voting. And the anchor uh, ended the the uh, uh, report by stating that, well, of course, there's never been any documented incidents instance of uh, massive uh, voter fraud that has changed elections. And, of course, that came out the same week that the Heritage Foundation report on mail-in voting came out, which demonstrated very clearly that there had been. And I'm wondering, is it is it ignorance that's causing things like this, or are they deliberately trying to distort something? I mean, it sounds like they're transitioning to a comedy channel for ratings purposes. Yeah. My gosh. <laughs> No demonstrable uh, instance of voter fraud changing elections. Uh, who doesn't remember the Dino Rossi gubernatorial race in Washington State where he won on election night? He won the recount. The courts mandated another recount, which wasn't what the law prescribed for, but the courts mandated it anyway. And they did another recount, and Dino Rossi lost that one, and then they said no more recounts. Yeah. Come to find out, tons of felons had voted in Cook County 
um, and many of them shouldn't have been legally allowed to vote, and they, of course, voted via mail. As John Fund has written and done studies on repeatedly, and he's written great books on this, the biggest example of provable fraud that exists is um, via absentee ballots. So if we were to just mail out ballots to every single person, even if they didn't request one, even if they don't have a pulse, even if they've moved, I mean, what an open invitation. Yeah, that was the subject of my column in The Wanderer last week. So say that again slowly. Who who wrote the book, and what's the name of the book? Well, sure, John Fund uh, has written a couple different, I can't remember the names off the top of my head, but he's written a couple different wonderful books about voter fraud. He's, I would say, the leading expert of it. And he argues that it may not be the biggest source of fraud, but the biggest source of provable fraud has been absentee balloting. So to expand that by doing mail-in ballots to everyone, whether or not they request one, whether or not they're an active voter, whether or not they live here anymore, as I said, open invitation for fraud. Sure. Interestingly, uh, um, campaigns and elections is my background. So I I work with the voter files for uh, for a number of years, and they've gotten better in Iowa as we've progressed, and they do a much better job of removing people who have died. But um, like this week alone, um, our county sent out uh, absentee ballot uh, forms for people to request their absentee ballot. And they, I've heard multiple stories of people saying, I got two, you know, somebody who hasn't lived here in 10 years, I've got theirs and mine. And I thought, well, if we were in a situation where they mailed out literal ballots, they'd have gotten two ballots right at that home. Yeah, and uh, uh, Hans von Spankowski, who was uh, originally going to be with us today uh, speaking on voter fraud, he's a Heritage Foundation fellow that wrote the uh, the report on that. He mentioned that there's a colleague in his office who is from Washington State. She has not lived in Washington State for like the last 10, 15 years. She's right. been in, in District of Columbia, the other Washington, and yet she still gets these mail-in ballots from the state every election time, even though she's well, been out of the state um, and, um, and votes elsewhere. Well, the good news coming out of all of this is that despite killing all of those senior citizens in New York by sending COVID patients to nursing homes, at least they'll still have an opportunity to vote this fall, given New York's voter practice. That's that's right. That's right. You know, the old saying, my my father voted Republican until he died, then he started voting Democrat or whatever (laughs) side you want to go. But back to the news for just a minute. Uh, When when I get, you know, you get home at night, you want to turn on the TV while you're making dinner and kind of get caught up on what's going on in the nation and around the world. I, I find it more and more difficult to get straight up news because there's so many um, commentators, and it's difficult at some points to tell the difference between the commentators right. uh, in the news and the actual n- n- deliverers of the n- newscasters. Well, how are we to discern those kinds of things? Well, the best thing one can do is just try to listen to mo- and watch and read both sides quite a bit. Think about the news the way that we think about you know, cable television these days. Ratings are down for every single channel everywhere because audiences are fragmented dramatically amongst so many different stations and amongst online and Netflix and so forth. So the best content is really aimed at a specific audience. Instead of making broad appeal television where the whole family can sit down together, that stuff doesn't exist as much now. Instead, it's more niche programming going after a specific targeted audience. Well, the news is the same way. Instead of, unfortunately, instead of making broad appeal right down the middle news that everybody can watch regardless of their ideology, they've realized it's in their interest to 
well, we're going to, you know, MSNBC, we're going to go after the leftists. Hopefully we can get enough leftists. You know, uh, CNN, we're, we're going to try to do that, but maybe not quite as liberal as you guys, and, and so forth. They're going after niche audiences. They're not going for mass appeal. They're narrow casting rather than broadcasting. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. So that's why after every story, I have to hear the journalist's opinion on that story, where they fall, mm-hmm. and rather than just moving on to the next story. That's right. That's right. And yeah. And, and, and some of the opinions are rather interesting. But you do notice a big difference if, between, say, watching Fox News and watching MSNBC. Let's talk a minute about Fox News. Uh, they're the conservative media, on the big conservative media on the block. They seem to be garnering a pretty fair audience. Uh, how are they in relation to the more liberal broadcast medias or narrowcast medias, as we're renaming them? Well, of course, Fox, like anybody else, in prime time, it's opinion-oriented shows as opposed to hard news shows. And anybody in prime time, it's going to be, you know, more in-your-face, salacious arguments back and forth. And that is stuff that I never really hold any network as accountable for, unless people are outright lying. That's another story. Mm -hmm. But I would expect opinions in prime time. But to Fox's credit, they also have incredible shows like Special Report, they have real journalists, real newsmen like Brett Baer and Britt Hume. Yes. Chris Wallace, I think, is fantastic. He's maybe the best newsman out there. I think he should be moderating you know, every debate there is. Uh, instead, they allow former Clintonista George Stephanopoulos to moderate debates, <laughs> yeah. as if he is somehow a journalist. Yeah, that's true, because uh, uh, Chris Wallace comes from a long line of... Uh well, journalists. Isn't that it's funny? It, you know, it's like, in his blood. Is it, you know, you bring up someone like Brett Hume, and I feel like we need more journalists like that that are digging for stories for us, getting behind the, mm-hmm. the facts and finding where they're coming from, it, rather than the uh, style of the gotcha kind of a story and, and, and research of uh, subject matters uh, about our nation and, and the world. That's right. And to me, what honestly is most dangerous and more worrisome even than the CNNs and the MSNBCs and the New York Times is are online news sites like BuzzFeed and now this. They're the only ones I know who have diabolically and brilliantly broken through the echo chamber. For those who don't know, BuzzFeed is an online news site. You see it on social media. They built their following by sharing puppy videos and kitten videos and clickbait articles. And tens of millions of people started following them. Then, once they built up a big following, they pivoted and started putting out hard left news. Well, think about it. When you, when you tune into MSNBC, you expect hard left news. But when you signed up for puppy videos, and now you're reading lies about Donald Trump, you know, yeah. you're getting to an audience that never otherwise would be exposed to it. And it's primarily a young and impressionable audience. It is. Now yeah. this primarily hires executives from the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign at a supposed news outlet. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's an upside down world out there. Ad, uh, yeah, Adam, um, we're going to have to let it go at this right now. We're kind of out of time, but before we do go, uh, if you have a web address or an email address or something you'd like to give to our listeners in case they want more information, sure. If you ever want to fight back against media bias and outrageous corruption and public policy, our website is aim dot org. A I M dot org. We're active on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and we document some of the media bias, which is so prevalent. But more than anything, we take active, um, at, we take action against it. AIM.org. Very good. Thank good you enough. very much. Adam Gallette, the president of Accuracy in Media. We will have you back another time. Thank you very much. And this is Thank Faith you. on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, and we will be right back after these messages.
What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports on Iowa Catholic Radio is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Greg Harper. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. Ashworth Vision Clinic. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Thank you to Mercy College of Health Sciences, downtown Des Moines, for underwriting our show, The Uncommon Good, with me, Bo Bonner. And I'm Bud Marr. A degree from Mercy College provides endless possibilities. Students have access to patients with complex medical conditions, state-of-the-art medical facilities, highly motivated healthcare professionals, and classroom professors that transform them into servant leaders. You can start the programs in fall, spring, or summer. There are endless possibilities available online at mchs.edu slash kwky. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. Information about Pharmatan and other products at ImogeneIngredients.com. Paul and Paul are members of St. Augustine's Knights of Columbus and encourage their brother knights to keep standing for their faith. Thank you, Skeffington's Formal Wear, for sponsoring Dowling Catholic High School football. In business since 1951, Skeffington's Formal Wear offers quality service, style, and selection, providing tuxedos, suits, and casual groom attire for weddings, proms, and any other special occasion. Skeffington's Formal Wear, with convenient locations in Des Moines, West Des Moines, Davenport, Coralville, and Ankeny. All locations are family-owned and operated by members in their respective communities, fitting you for life celebrations, online at skeffingtons.com. And we're back. This is Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. And Gina, another interesting program today. Oh, my goodness. Gave me uh, some things to go home and take a look at, including that AIM.org website. Accuracy and Media, right, yes. Um, Books by John Fund Mm -hmm. to figure out about what he has researched in the area of voter fraud and mail-in and vote mail-in voting. Mm-hmm. So and we are going to have Hans on, on uh, I, I think it's on the 3rd now, the September, September 3rd, 3rd mm-hmm. at Thursday. He's going to be back on, he's going to talk about the Heritage Foundation report uh, on voter fraud. And uh, and it is out there, in spite of what uh, they were saying on the local channel, uh, there's uh, there's a lot of it out there. Give and me a chance to catch up on what John Fund has, has talked about, and we'll right. discuss it more with Hans. Uh, that's right, and, and then we have to remember how the, the media operates now. I mean, uh, 
Adam gave us a pretty good clue as to what to look for. And, uh, I thought it was interesting that he said to, to watch stories from both angles. You mm-hmm. know, if you're watching cable news, don't just stay on a conservative um, channel. Move over to an, a more liberal channel and mm-hmm. try to find where the truth lies between the two right. extremes. Right. Now, one thing we didn't get into, which we should have, but time constraints, yes. is uh, uh, how this affects religious programming and coverage of religious issues. Uh, because you've well, certainly seen... Uh, it would have been interesting to get his take, and we can talk to him again in another time, but there certainly is a bias against people of faith in That's the media. Right. That's um, right. I think there's some vitriol and and, um, and anti-faith uh, right. propositions. You see that all the time. You see that all the time. And it's uh, we're characterized improperly, I think. There was a Another issue with one of the local radio stations uh, a year or so ago, I remember, I was watching a station, and uh, they were covering something in Ames where they were having one of these um, uh, uh, shows uh, for the kiddie shows on drag queens and things like that. And uh, and the reporter had uh, talked with the people that were trying to put it on, and obviously there was some resistance to that and when they came back to the anchor desk the anchor there said and we'll be back with the haters tonight in other words the other side their she, opinion to she the referred to them as haters mm-hmm. i haven't watched that show since and i went and i listened to it again i listened to the tape and i went to the website and pulled up the program i figured well they're gonna they're gonna edit that out they didn't it she still said the haters she referred to the people that were opposed to the drag queen story hours uh as haters and that uh, uh is clearly biased all right i want to ask the listeners here to do something for us if you can we don't we'd like to get a little feedback on where you are and what you're thinking about what's going on and i know there are probably some people out there who are who live out of our area maybe have picked this up because they've seen my columns in the wander or something so what i'd like to ask people to do if you have can take a minute is to email us and the email is deacon mike at q.com and just tell us where you are you know whether you're in iowa or you're in montana or you're wherever you are uh, and how you heard about our program and if you got any comments or questions about it just Send them along. We'd be happy to look at those. But just kind of get an idea of where some of our listeners are, because we know we've got a number of them in the Des Moines area, uh, and you're certainly welcome to respond here, too. But we know that we've got a number of them outside the area, and we'd kind of like to know about that, too, if you can. So drop me uh, drop me an email on the subject line, put Faith on Trial or FOT, so it doesn't get... Uh, um, mixed in with all the other stuff that I have that uh, the 900 and some emails that yes. I get, uh, you know, I got two or three different web uh, addresses and, uh, and between them all, I, uh, I'm getting inundated with mail. Well, it is difficult. We used to get some really good feedback from our parishioners at St. Augustine after masses. They'd stop you or I and right. uh, make a comment about a show or something they liked or something they didn't like. Yeah. And um, w- under the circumstances with our, there's no coffee and donuts, right. we rarely talk to anyone after mass, uh, rarely anybody at mass. So right. we yeah. um, we look forward to our listeners giving us a little bit yeah, of feedback. Yeah, so if you can do that for us and kind of let us know, especially where you're at. 
and how you heard about us. That would be nice. That would be nice. Well, we're at the end of our time now, so let's end with our uh, prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. And before we sign off, I'd like to wish Deacon Mike a happy birthday today. Oh, thank and you any very of our much. listeners that are paying attention, you can Send reach cash. him on yes. Facebook or uh, <laughs> you've got his email. So happy uh, birthday. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I wasn't sure that anybody would remember that. Uh, my wife did. <laughs> but uh, uh, we're going to go out to eat tonight. I, I won't mention where, but we're going to go out to eat tonight. Um, and celebrate wear your mask. Where, yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of hard to eat <laughs> with your mask. All right. Till next week, we'll see you then. Have a blessed and peaceful week. Thank you. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano. Faith on Trial, Thursdays at 10 a.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio, iowacatholicradio.com, and the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imogene Ingredients.